we bow our heads. Heavenly Father, so grateful to bow before the great King, the God who created all things, the earth and all that is therein. And man, Lord, what what is man that thou art mindful of him, Lord? Who are we that you should so speak to our hearts and call us by name, Lord? Father, we're here this morning and we say, Abba, Father, our Father, our God, our Lord. Oh, Lord, how grateful we are, Lord Jesus, to call you our Father in this age. Lord, as you look across the land, Father, the cup of iniquity must be awfully close to being full. But Lord, while you're looking and your Holy Spirit is brooding and looking for a place, Lord, we want to say you're welcome here this morning. Come in our midst, O oh Lord. Come into this assembly. Come to our hearts this morning. Lord, warm our hearts by your word. Father, you're welcome here this morning. And oh God, wherever your people are gathered this morning, may your hand be outstretched. Lord, though the enemy would try, you said I will lose none of them. I will keep them. I'll watch over them day and night. I'll water it day and night. Father, we're asking you, and also for your nation Israel, while we're here now, Lord, take our hearts, take our hands, take everything. Use it for your glory, both speaker and hearer. Lord, we invite you. Take the preeminence. Lord, you know the inabilities of all of us. But Father, we yield our vessels to you. We ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Now we will turn to the Word. I ask you to turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 10. Brother Mark, I realize I didn't give you the scriptures, so I apologize. Or Sister Ruth, I see you. Sorry. Um, I didn't give you the scriptures, but we can do this. Numbers, chapter 10. Let's start the reading from verse 29. And Moses said unto Hobath, the son of Ragul, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are journeying into the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good for the Lord has spoken good concerning Israel. And he said unto him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my kindred. And he said, Leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as thou knowest how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and thou mayest be to us instead of eyes. And it shall be, if thou go with us, yea, it shall be, that what goodness the Lord shall do unto the, us, the Lord will do unto thee. And they departed from the mount of the Lord three days' journey, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day when they went out of the camp. And it came to pass 
that when the ark set forward, that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. Also, one more scripture in Second Chronicles chapter 6. Second Chronicles chapter 6. We will read there in... In verse 41. Now therefore arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place. Thou and the ark of thy strength, let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. God bless his word. You may have your seats. Keep your Bibles open, if you will. I'd like to speak on a resting place for the ark of his rest. A resting place for the ark of his rest. Acts chapter 7. This is a notable part of Stephen's sermon. Somewhere in the midst of this sermon, there was an anointing on him, but some of those that were listening, somewhere started to not receive his words and started to get upset, especially when it began to identify them, but it didn't stop him from preaching the word. (laughs) We'll start from verse 44. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers... Now remember, Moses was doing on earth after the pattern which he saw in heaven. So, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. So they're, they're looking for a place for God to be with them, to dwell amongst them. But Solomon built him a house, howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, What house will you build me, saith the Lord, and what is the place of my rest? Now, we're looking for rest, but have you ever thought that the Holy Spirit is looking for a resting place? The Holy Spirit's looking for a place it can dwell. The Holy Spirit's looking for, and and it's, it's God's Holy Spirit is looking for a place it can, it can set itself upon. And he says, Hath not my hand made all these things? We'll stop the reading there. Amen. Let's just, uh, I, I got, I'm going to come back to these scriptures, but 
I, I had many thoughts over the course of this last week and directions and such, but this came to me and I just felt to go back to it. And sometimes, you know, it's not the man who's in control, the minister, but it's God who's in control. And we, the, the battle, the biggest battle sometimes is getting out of the way and allowing him. And I, I wish I could do it so perfectly all the time, but we're just thankful for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that God can, can do it if we just yield ourselves. I appreciate the prayer, Brother Ray, about us preparing. It's, it's not just uh, the song leader, the musicians create, but we all create the atmosphere. We all create that which God could do in our midst. And, and it's, it is an interactive God that we serve this morning. And I, I was just thinking on Wednesday when we took the service and spoke a few words and then played the tape of Brother Branham. And uh, how many appreciated that? I'll tell you what, that resonated with me through the week. And I'm so grateful that even in season, God can draw out from that word and, and he speaks to us. He can speak in our homes. He can speak in our churches. And it doesn't mean we just stop at the tapes because the Bible, Brother Branham would say that the Spirit, the Bride, or sorry, the Spirit, the Prophet, and the Bride will all be saying the same thing. The Bride, in fact, will be the final voice, but she will be saying what the Prophet said. And I believe that we all have to recognize we're a part of this. God wants to indwell us. So I'm, I, I want to be faithful to that. And I, I'm, pray, I'm praying for that. So speaking in this, this subject this morning, and, and my thoughts developed maybe on this level a little bit, and it was in regards to the message, what we call the message. And, you know, for, for some of us who've grown up, all we've ever known is that we're in the message. And... and uh, you know, and, and for some of us who came out, we came into something. And, and so my questions are maybe much along the lines of what Brother Branham did when he asked a question. What are the five identifications of the true church? And so he would ask the question, and he would ask it in simple terms, and I think it's worthwhile to ask these questions. I think it's worthwhile to have the answer to these questions. So I, I thought about it, what is the message? Where is the message? Is it on tapes? On, on books? Is that where the message is going to be stored? Because one day the earth is going to burn. And these Bibles that we treasure are going to burn with it. And, and the tapes and, and the books that we... So they're going to go. But where is the message going to be then? Where is that, that voice or that, that word of God that he says... Heavens and earth will pass, but my word will never pass. It's got to be stored somewhere. It's got to be stored in some place that God can trust. And, 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 and I believe he's, he's looking for that place. You know, a nation, when they have valuable things, they, they keep it in a, in, a, in a secret place. In the United States, they keep their gold currency in a place called Fort Knox. You can hardly get around it. And they've got their gold stored there. They've got all of that stored there. They keep it in a secret place. God, he always keeps it in the, he keeps himself in, in a place that he has designated. So where is the message? 
and asking the question, where are the headquarters? Is it a central place? Is it a geographical location? I'm asking the question. You can answer yourself in your heart for now. Lord willing, we'll minister and the Lord will answer the question for us. Is the message a status or a degree of learning? When, when you come up to heaven and when you get there, are you going to be asked, okay, what is your revelation of the Godhead? What is your revelation of serpent seed? What is your revelation of the great whore? And if you check them all off, you get an entrance in. Is, is that what the message is? A degree of learning, a degree of... I, I believe, friends, and I believe it as the prophet would say it. He says that a woman somewhere, maybe in a village in Africa, might hear one tape, but in her will be deposited the very thing that she has need of. The message is not contingent on our learning, but rather on our character with which we take and demonstrate a lived out word. So, where is this central place? Or where, what is, is it a degree of a certain spiritual status? If you see this doctrine, if you see this this way, I'll tell you what you can rest in. Rest in walking what God has revealed to you. Don't try and go on somebody else's revelation. Don't go on somebody else's knowledge. Just walk faithful to what God is leading you. You don't need to intellectually gather something from somebody. But I say, you need to pray for revelation. God, make it real to me. Make yourself too real to me. That the new birth is the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. And we're all at different levels. Not everybody in the church sees it the same way. In fact, you can go into your own home and not everybody in your own home sees it your way. Now, that, that, before you start looking at your wife and your husband and your kids, and yeah, this, this is not the point to cause division. This is the point is... Where is the place of your rest? But I'll tell you, the battle that we're facing in, in the world, and we spoke a little bit on the line of religious spirits, and I'll come to that yet further, and maybe not so much today. But I'll tell you what, the gates of hell are storming us. And I'll tell you what, there are smarter people than me that have fallen. There are smarter people than you that are not standing with this truth, as you said, Brother Ray. What is it that's keeping you? What is it that, that's holding you? It's your daily walk with God. It's not your works, but it's the grace. It's him revealing himself to you. Stay behind that. Don't move behind that. The enemy's trying to draw you out from behind that. But he has no answer to this question that's been buried in my heart. I'm thankful. I am thankful that God took a nobody like me and just impressed and made real little things. I always feel like I'm the slowest one. I'm the turtle in the race. I'm the one who takes so long to get to where God wants me to get. But one thing I'm thankful for is the steps are steady. They are sure. They are real. They are with foundation. They are lasting. There is a certainty about what we've got. So is it a kingdom? 
Or rather, let me ask you this way. What is the kingdom? What is the church? What is the body? Because if it's a kingdom, there's got to be a king. If it's a body, there's got to be a head. If there's a body, there's got to be a heart that's beating. If so, where is the king? So let me, let me just reference a couple of things that the prophet would say from the message. Five identifications of the true church. He would say, and he would say it this way. We are in another kingdom. A kingdom of God where decency and holiness and power exist. We have access to our king. We have an interview on him and we can call on him anytime. There are no other mediators, no other intercessors between the king and us, but one man, Christ Jesus. So this kingdom then is not a hierarchy system. This kingdom is a direct interaction of the body and the members with the king. This, mem- this, this did not come to set up a, a, another hierarchy or, or as, as we would look in, into the ages, even after Pentecost, how the Nicolaitan spirit came in and how it tried to organize and how it tried to control and how it tried to structure things. Yeah. That grieves the Holy Spirit. Yeah. God wants a, a fellowship with every young person. He wants a fellowship with every parent. He wants a fellowship with every one of us. And we want him to have that. We want him to have that liberty. So he'd say, we are living in a kingdom. It's a messianic kingdom. In other words, the Messiah rules in every life, in his dominion, ruling the lives of the people. Friends, it's not when you're in school or when you're away from church and you're away from the deacons. I'm glad they can't see me now. I'll tell you what, if you're living under that, you're not in the kingdom yet. Because the one who's with us right now, he'll go out with you in the door. He'll go out with you in the car. He'll be with you where you talk, where you think, what you act, everything you do, what you speak. That's the king. And we're so glad to give him all of this. So he says... He calls his people out of every walk of life, gathering them into a group, and he calls them his church. The called out ones. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I think it is. Now, when God looked down on the earth, and if you think about, it just so struck me yesterday, and I just was so rejoicing. And, And I thought, our duty on earth, I, I, somewhere I heard Brother Adam say, our duty on earth is just to worship God or to serve God in his purpose. And I thought, he created all things. And all things were created for him. And everything was for his pleasure. Therefore, let my life be to his pleasure. Not, not to what I have pleasure in. Not to what the world has pleasure in. Because one day, we're going to be with him for eternity. That day is here. It is so soon coming. Oh, my heart beats for that day. I want to be there so badly. What joy that'll be. But I thought as God would look down on the earth and 
You know, this great king of glory, Elohim. And, and as he would begin to bring out his plan where these attributes that he had in his mind, these, these thoughts, and the earth was one of his attributes. And, and he began to think, and he, and he thought of the earth because he thought of us. And even when he created the earth, in the dust of the earth, there was our bodies, our elements. They were all there with him. And he thought of these things. And he thought of them with loving kindness. And, and even so much so the spirit brooded over them. And as he created this earth and he made all things in this wonderful Eden, God had to have a place where he set up his headquarters. A place where he could rule from. And so the prophet would say in, 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 in Satan's Eden, and he talks about it, and he talks about these headquarters that was in the Garden of Eden. And he shares it and says, finally, when he got it all made, finally there in the whole earth, this beautiful spot laying east of Eden called the Garden of Eden. God made the world's headquarters in the Garden of Eden in Egypt, right at the east end of the garden. Oh, now that, that was the geographical location. But from the geographical location, that, that's where it all went forth. But where did the real rule come from? You know, the real rule came from when he put his son and his son's wife over it all. That's right. That's what God did. He put them in full control. They could speak to the winds. It would cease to blow. They would speak to the tree and it would move from here to there. The lion and the wolf fed together. The lamb laid, there was laid amongst them. There was no evil. It was a perfect peace, a perfect harmony, everything in perfection. And God had it all under his control. Now, he didn't go down there and give Adam a handbook. He didn't go down there and tell Adam, okay, this is the rules about how you want to do it. But what he gave Adam was his spirit, his nature, the very essence of God. Adam was the son of God. And the Bible would tell us that whatever Adam thought, that was already what God thought. Because when the animals came to Adam, he, he, he didn't have to struggle What's the name of this? I know that this thing is, it's a long neck and it's got such and such. I, I, how, where's the dictionary? I got to find it. No, it flowed out of him. Yeah. It was natural to him. Amen. And he just said, that's a giraffe. Yeah. You were all thinking it was going to be a llama, right? But it was a giraffe that he was looking at. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> At any rate, Adam, Adam had the thought, so where was the rule? The rule was somewhere down deep in here. The rule wasn't just from his mouth. It was here. God didn't even have to, Adam was thought of his thought, mind of his mind. Adam had all that God was. Friends, we're coming back to that. We're coming back. You know, just think about it. The threefold purpose of God. That he could, number one, manifest himself in Christ. Number two, gain the preeminence in a people. Not by our spirit. But now by the Holy Spirit. You know what I love about redemption? Even though Adam fell and he lost the title deed. And he lost it. And, and, and he gave over and, he, and he, he fell away from all of that. In restoration, there is no more fall. Yeah. 
In restoration, the first Adam that fell, the second Adam displaced all that the first Adam lost. And the Holy Ghost that you've been given, the Holy Ghost is your absolute. The Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you in all truth. The Holy Ghost will, will, will be the one that will, will speak to you and direct you and lead you and, and bring you into the full stature. It's God himself. It's Jesus Christ who died in the flesh for me. It's Jesus Christ that came back on the church. It's Jesus Christ that has come in this last day. And, and not to go back again. This eve will not fall. This, this is God dwelling in his people. So in Eden, in the headquarters... He placed Adam there. Now listen to how Brother Branham says this. He placed his beloved children, his son and daughter, husband and wife to control it. And God was so satisfied. Could you imagine? God was resting. Because the Bible says in the seventh day, God rested. Can you believe that God had a place to hang his hat, so to speak? A place that he could, he, he didn't have to worry he could hang his hat on that. Do you know he's looking for the same thing today? The Holy Spirit. Do you know it was typed in the, gar in, in, in the ark. There was two birds that went out. There was a crow. It could go out. It could feed on anything. It could do anything. But this dove, by its very nature, it couldn't feed on those carcasses. It, it had no gall. It, it just couldn't. God, God trusted the nature of that bird more than, than the conditions around it. Because the conditions were not a match for the nature that was inside. It's the same today. It's wicked. It's, it's, it's Laodicea. It's every temptation. But the nature of the Holy Ghost keeps you, protects you. Stay behind it. Feed on it. Protect. You know, that's God's dwelling place. This temple is the temple of the Lord. It's not a cesspool. It's not meant to, to feed on every, every, every video that comes out and every game that comes out and every negative gossip. And that's not what it's for. It's for the temple of the living God. God's desiring a place of rest. And I say, sanctify ourselves. Let God dwell in us. <laughs> he said, there's much I could read out of this, but I'll just share a little part of this. From this headquarters, God came down in the image of Adam and the man, and he said, he spoke his word. It shall be this way, the tree this way. And he says, the great creator sent forth his word. And he says, God is speaking all things into his existence. And he comes back and he just reaffirms it here. He says, in God's power to transform, every place has to have a headquarters somewhere. He said, this convention, this chapter, this church, God has a headquarters. Every gay place, every nation, it's got a headquarters. And this Eden had a headquarters. And I would like to say, God has a headquarters in this day. But it's not in the way we as men or we as, as in our human thinking would think it is. You know, it was in, in uh, Genesis chapter 11. Now, after the fall, men fell. And, and, and we know 
that, that God was going to provide a place of rest for man yet, but man's first inclination under Genesis chapter 11 was to build a tower. We're going to go up where God dwells. We're, we're going to build this tower. We're going we're gonna to get up there. We're going we're gonna to do, we're going to, I'll just tell you what, that spirit still exists today. Man wants to, man wants to build something, an image or something that he can, he can look to or a place that he can go to. But friends, they're, they're, let me just say this from my heart. So often, God will use a vessel. He'll use a minister. He'll use somebody. And our, our inclination or what we're prone to do is, begins to be, because out of through that vessel is flowing something that's, that's touching your soul, and our inclination is to lift up that man. Too much so. We make more of the man than we should sometimes. And that's a, that's, a human, that's a human weakness. We can do that with the vessel God used in this last day, the seventh day messenger. He was a man that needed to be saved. He needed the blood of Jesus Christ as much as you and I did. He was not the one that we should worship. He is not the image that we look to. Yeah. If you miss seeing God in that man, then you miss it all. Yeah. That's right. yeah. We become so prone to attach ourselves to something. Yeah. And now I'll say it vice versa. The minute that that vessel is not working in that channel or is in, in a sideways situation or something, we detach ourselves just like that. And I'll say, the first part's wrong, and the second part's wrong. Because to to lift up a man more than he ought to be, that's wrong. To to cast somebody aside, that's the world. They'll they'll take some singer with some gift, they'll use it, they'll chew it up, they'll spit it out when they're old and wrinkled, and onto somebody else. That's not the way God is. God knows them that are His. God knows them that labor for Him. God understands them. And friends, if somebody, I, I so appreciated that in the tape. Brother, I said, if somebody makes a mistake, don't talk about him. Don't jump on him. Said, stand up, help him, pick him up. Amen. Don't detach yourself. Yeah. That's not what we're called to do. Yeah. We're a body, Amen. we're a living organism, Amen. Yes. we're members of, of a great king. So Brother Branham would say in five identifications. Now Christ is the head of this. Christ is the head of the messianic kingdom. You cannot organize a kingdom of which Christ is the head. That is the seeds of denominationalism. I, I, listen, denominations. Every move of God was not a denomination in the season when God was moving. It became a denomination after God got in. Why? What followed Luther? Fallen angels. What followed Wesley? Fallen angels. They got in. They organized it. And that's the minute the Holy Spirit took its flight. So in this day, we do not want to organize what God is doing. Listen, let me finish reading the quote. Now, You cannot denominate a kingdom of which Christ is the head. Christ is king, 
And you cannot take the intellectuals of a man and make an organization to which Christ will govern. Brother Ed, why do you read this? We're not a denomination. No, we're not. But denominational spirits can try to come in. And we need to recognize that spirit and say, I've got no part of that. Therefore, any companies, any peoples, any groups of men that tries to organize the kingdom of God is going contrary to the king. And if they're contrary to the king, it's against the king. It's antichrist. Now that, he says, is pretty rough. But if you'll give me more voice and make it clear, he says that again. It is antichrist. I, friends, I'm saying this for a reason. The enemies attack. Don't, Brother Brandon would say this of his own church. Don't think that you're going to sit here and everything's going to be fine. The enemy will come and attack us. I'll speak to that yet. <laughs> but he doesn't know it's working for our good. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So th this is how Brother Brandon would take it. Now he would also just say it this way. And he would, would talk and say it this way. They want you, come and join this. Come and join. There's nothing you can join in the kingdom of God. Listen, we have a church list. But that's not the list that's written in the book of life. It's not the same book. It's just for your benefit and convenience. That's not the list. And just because you're recognized and you come, that doesn't mean that, that we're there. And I'm not putting anybody out either. But I'm just saying, let our association, let our accreditation be not anti-message tabernacle or, 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 you know, the message as we call it. But let our accreditation be, as, as Paul would say to Timothy, A-U-G. If you're going to put some letters behind your name, put those letters, A-U-G. What does that mean, Brother Ed? Approved unto God. That, that ought to be our accreditation. The Holy Spirit bearing witness inside of us that we are the children of God. And our spirit bearing witness one with one another. Not putting one another down, but, but saying, we're brothers. We're sisters. We're part of the body. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm grateful this morning for everyone that's here. I'm grateful that we're the called out. I'm grateful for the message that swept the earth. I'm grateful for every brother and sister in India and in the Philippines and Africa and in the Caribbean, wherever they are, to the uttermost parts of the earth, even Grand Prairie. Oh, God bless you. Somebody from Grand Prairie here. <laughs> I think Barry Coffey said it that way one time. He said, you know, where's Grand Prairie? Well, you fly as far as you can go. You come to a place in Edmonton. Then you drive as far as you can go and you get to the place. Then you got to drive outside of that city to get to the church. That's one of the uttermost parts. Now, I, I found out after that it isn't the uttermost parts because um, Brother Andrew Boy Scout, when he was here, I saw a picture of his church and it's called the Uttermost Tabernacle. <laughs> and I thought, Praise God, every kindred, every tongue, every nation. The uttermost tabernacle. What a wonderful name. Anyway, so I'm just saying is we are a part of a body. So he says, there's not a thing you can do to join it. It's an experience of being born into the church. Not joined to it. Now, he got more on that in a minute. He says, now he says, we can get through this, all of it. Who set it up? Who started it? Now, I'm, I'm going to hold that thought for a minute. 
You know, they built this um, tower. There is no headquarters. And I want to say it plainly, and that's not a disrespect. Jeffersonville is not our headquarters. Because Brother Branham said, who can I point you to? To this tabernacle? I couldn't do it, he said. Headquarters is in heaven. There is not a place. There is not an elite church. There's not an elite ministry. The elite one is Christ in our midst. The word revealed. That's what we have. That's our headquarters. Working in a many-membered body. There is not a message handbook that we hand out. There is, Brother Bannon would say it, when, when John was in prison, he said he didn't give him a handbook on how to behave in prison. There's not a handbook. Let me, let me go back to something for a moment here, because Brother Bannon would say it. We're living in a day he references Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for. He said, it's a substance. It's an actual place. It's some, it isn't something you're hoping for. It actually takes a hold. You have a substance, not a myth. It's in your hand. You know it. It doesn't shake you. Now, he would say, and he's speaking this in a message called Confirmation and Evidence. It seems like man is always requiring a confirmation or some kind of evidence. And so much the more so as we see this age of skeptics that we're living in. Now, 2 Peter chapter 3 identifies it, scoffers that would be there at the coming of Jesus. Now, these scoffers weren't just in the world around this. But the scoffers, this was what they're saying. Where is the promise of his coming? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Things are always going on like they always did. Scoffers. Yeah. Why did Brother Branham preach uh, the trial? Mr. Skeptic, Mr. Unbeliever. What's the other one? Quick question. What is it? I'm saying it because I couldn't remember it. I'm just being honest. <laughs> this, is not a, this is not a trick question. But he says three kinds of believers. There is believers, make-believers, and, 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 and unbelievers. They're there. And he says, they're in every church. So you can't trust in the church. Now, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make you doubtful of this, but I'm saying you have in your heart all you need here right now. When you come in your heart, you hold that in your heart. And whatever God has revealed to you, don't just open to anything. Hold what God has revealed and say, Lord, add to that this morning. Solidify me. Strengthen me. So he said it's an age of skeptics and scoffers. That's not just in the world around us. That's right around the church world. That's right around the message of the hour. That's right where the devil has attacked in these last years. Don't call it believe the sign if you don't believe it. Call it disbelieve the sign. And furthermore, 
The sign I'm looking for isn't out there, isn't in a cloud. That isn't the sign. The sign, hey, the sign for Mary of, of, of what the angel spoke to her was in her. The sign that I've received is in me. I don't need to go back. I don't need to go back and prove something that happened here and happened there and happened there. That's the devil. That's him asking a question. That's not the sign. Skeptics. Friends, we're not going to have a council in this message to declare all the undeclared questions. If Jesus himself allowed his birth to be enshrouded in mystery, and he allowed his death to be enshrouded in mystery, don't, don't think that just because there's mysteries around Brother Branham, that it, oh, obviously it's not so. You know, who's asking the question, first of all? So, who's asking the question, right? When they came to Jesus, there were some honest questions that were asked. You know, how can these things... I, I always marvel at Zacharias, Zacharias and, and Mary. Zacharias in the, in the temple, and the angel comes to him, this and this, you'll have a son, his name will be John, you know, and such and such. And he answers and said, how can this be? And the angel says to him, because you disbelieved, you won't speak. So there's a question... Now the angel, same angel, an angel, I don't know what the same one, comes to Mary and asks her, says, and she asks the question, how can these things be? Now he was, she wasn't rebuked for disbelieving. She was just saying, I believe, Lord. And I, I say it this way, I believe. I don't understand how it works. I don't know, I, I don't know all the answers, but I'll tell you what, what I got now is bigger than any answer that's thrown my way. What I've got burning in my heart. What has changed my life. What has caused me to, to, to come from a life of sin. What has caused me to be sensitive to holiness. What has caused me to understand the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. What has caused me by feeding on these tapes to go into a communion with God every day. I'll tell you what, that's the answer to the devil's question. We have it now. And Brother Branham says it this way. Greater than Solomon is here. We're thankful for the faith. And listen to what he says. The evidence. <laughs> you want evidence? It's faith. It's not scientifically approved. It's my faith. Something with us that tells us and we know. And there's no more guesswork. I'll tell you what, I'm not, I'm not questioning. Is this the message of the hour? Are we looking for another? No, I'll tell you what. When I feed on this, and then I'll go out, and I just, my wife and I were just talking. You know, you, you go out, and you see things coming to pass, and it's like a thunder. That's prophecy. Being fulfilled. That's another one. That's another one. I'll tell you what. That's the thunder. That's the thunder in my heart. It's not a thunder out there somewhere. It's right here. It's resounding. It's resonating. 
I'll say this, friends, if I can say one thing, stay in the tapes. Stay in the word. Stay faithful to God. It's not going to take a counsel. Just go to Acts chapter 1 for a moment. Acts chapter 1. Verse 15. Now if you just catch where they are right now, Jesus has just given him his last declaration. They ask, will you restore the kingdom? He says, it's not up to you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his power, but you'll receive power after you go up to Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. And, and, and in the uttermost parts of the earth, he says, you'll receive power. For that day, it was in an upper room. So they go up to this upper room, and Brother Bannon would tell the story. You know, it was after a day or two, they may be thinking, I think we got it. Yeah, I, I think we got it. And, and no, they, they, they didn't quite click yet. It didn't quite resonate yet. Because yeah. it was still human. It was still the thoughts of man. They didn't quite have it. So while they're there, this is the church with the promise of the hour, waiting for the fulfillment. This is the church literally at its best state in its human level. At its very best state, they'd witnessed Judas. They'd witnessed what Jesus had said. They'd witnessed the resurrection. They'd seen great things. But it still had not come into them. They still had their carnal view on it. They still had their interpretation on it. They still thought, well, this is going to come together with this. Friends, before you think, you know, when, when Los Angeles sinks and when the Pope does this and when this, don't think that way. You let God interpret his word by revealing it. And I'll tell you what, it might come different than this little mass up here thinks. But I'll say, God will make it known. God will make it real. So here they are, verse 15. And in those days, the church at its best now. Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. Where were they? In the upper room. They were at their very best state. Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been filled, which the Holy Ghost said by the mouth of David, spoke before concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. He is numbered with us, had a part of our ministry. This man purchased, I'm, I'm going quickly. He's just telling about all of these things and how he, he rehearses the history. And he says, now in verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, there must one be ordained to be a witness with us of the resurrection. That only made sense. They, they, hey, there was 12 of us. There was always 12 tribes. There, there's always going to be 12. Uh, just, it, it, the numbers match. The types match. The, the, there's got to be another one. Yeah, we've got to ordain another one. This is the church. And the scripture says in verse 22, And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed, sincerely, I believe, and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven 
apostles. Wow, this sounds wonderful. And these are the last words you ever hear of that man. He's never written anymore. Because it was of man. It was not of God. We're, it wasn't through man's intellect or man's thinking. I'll tell you what happened. Next came the day of Pentecost. Next came words. There, there wasn't no counsels of man now. This was the Holy Spirit that was uttering forth from them. With tongues. Uh, that, and it wasn't necessarily. It was their voices, their language. But people, the miracle was hearing in their own language. This was supernatural. Hey, this isn't something way in history. This still happens. So, and, and all of this happened. And then it wasn't long after you read the book of Acts in chapter 9. Now God chooses the last disciple. And his name was Saul. And he was going 180 degrees the other way. And, and he becomes Paul. And he becomes the, the first messenger to the first age. And it was ordained of God. I'll tell you what, God's choice is better than any choice we make. God's choice, though it be singular, is better than the majority of all of us. Now, if the Holy Ghost is in us, and it is speaking, and I believe that's what we need to do when we have a church vote or we have anything, it ought to be not what I think. It ought to be saying, Lord, what is your choice? What is your mind? Lord, we want your opinion. We don't want our own opinion. It'll go sideways on us. You know, great men of God, if they rely on themselves, they're not necessarily right. Samuel was the prophet, and he was to go and anoint the new king of Israel. And he was told to go to the house of Jesse, and he looked at the tallest one and said, my, this has got to be the one. He was looking with natural eyes. Huh. A prophet speaking with God. No, the Lord says, no, something. Okay, which one then, Lord? And he goes down the list. None of these. What? You sent me here. Do you have one more? Oh, yeah, we got a little guy, a ruddy guy. He's red haired. Nothing against red hairs. Where are they? <laughs> and, I go, and he goes, he's out in the, bring him to me. And he said, this is him. And the scripture was, the Lord looks not on the outside stature, but he looks on the heart. God saw in that man a heart that he could come to. The music, the psalms flowed from him. He saw down the road how that man would sin and fail and make mistakes, but he would repent. And God says, I can come to that man. I, he's not going to be obstinate and stubborn. I can rest on that man. I can stay on that man. He's not going to cloak himself in religious things and, 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 and hierarchy. He's going to be open before me. You know, Brother Branham, I, I loved how he does the church ages. He talks about the messengers. He talks about how, you know, historians, you know, they saw, and he's talking about choosing the seven messengers of the seven age, and historians put such a high esteem on Polycarp as the second messenger. And then the prophet sees, but he leaned to organization. He leaned to the hierarchy of man. And then he sees Irenaeus just slightly below him. Maybe not as well known. He says, that was the messenger. Yeah. Friends, I want the Spirit of God to rule us, to lead us, to guide us. I don't want my own mind. 
I don't want, I don't want our collective minds. I want the mind that has wisdom, the mind of God, to come down and lead us. <laughs> now, Brother Branham would say this, and he talks about it back in the five identifications. He said, where are we, number two here, okay. Now, God's people is a called out people. He says they come out of every denomination. He says, he says this, you cannot organize the mystical body of Christ. Our nature is to want to control. We have, we have to learn to lean. Can I, can I share from you, share for you from the tape that Brother Branham would speak? And we spoke on a total deliverance. He says, it's your duty to stand by these men that are here, but they'll make mistakes. He says, if the President of the United States makes a mistake, do we throw him out? I could hear us all thinking about the current president when he said that. No, he said, we forget about it and move on. But he says, now remember, he says, it's the devil's business to see that you're broke up. It always has been, it always will be. But you stand by your officers. That's the talk he wanted to make. You know, I, I, I wanted to play that part because the preamble of that service was so striking to me. If you want to go and listen to a preamble of a service, listen to Christ as the mystery of God revealed. Before he ever gets into the topic, he, teaks, he, he speaks to us on what we have now called the word to the church. And I'll tell you what, that is some of the most profound instruction that we'll ever get. He says, don't make yourself clannish. Don't get clicks. If somebody comes in with poison or something, he says, don't, don't go against them. Pray for them. Either they'll get out or they'll come in and join one of you. That's what we've been instructed to do. I want to make it so uncomfortable for every evil spirit that would try to harbor in our midst. I would want the Spirit of God to so move in our midst. Convict us. Correct us. Liberate us. Fill with the Holy Ghost. Give us of your spirit. Give us of your person. Give us this token that the devil can't stand against. Give us your unity. Give us a heart for one another. Give us of Christ. He says this. And I, I, you heard in that tape how Brother Branham talked about himself. I lied, and I caused my wife to lie, and that bred to his son, and God would not hear his prayer until he made it right. I can serve when God has a messenger like that. And he says this, I wonder this morning, 
as Christians if we have yielded our own will and yielded ourselves so completely to God till God can trust us to the place that he has put us. If we were given the power of the spoken word today, how would we use it? How would I use it? Can God trust me? Can he say, I'll hook a part of my heavenly being on this earthen part that I have formed and shaped? I believe we're coming to that. A headstone is coming onto the body. I believe that it's the body's being formed and shaped even now. I wonder this morning, he says, if God can trust us to the place he has put us. I wonder if we can be so yielded to God till God could trust me, trust Brother Neville, trust our trustee board, our deacon board, our members of the church. We have a place and we have a duty. Oh man, that spoke to me. And I said, oh God, where is the place of your rest? Where can you find an habitation? Where can you go that your Holy Spirit would be welcome? I say, Lord, if there's anything that stops from me, start with me. And then, Lord, start with all of us. Uh, is that your desire this morning? Yeah. It sure is mine. Now, where are we at? Let me, let me share this part. Brother Bannon would say in the infallibility of God's spoken word. He said, and this is now not just Abraham, and, and I, I could take time with Abraham in Hebrews chapter 6, and I won't do that this morning. But he now talks about Abraham's seed, the next generation. And here we see Jacob, who is, a, who is now, there's Abraham, which is faith, Isaac, which is love, Jacob, which is grace. These are all part of God. But here's Jacob. He desires the birthright, but his carnality and his humanity gets in the way. And he, he looks there and he sees, and he, he sees an opportunity to get the birthright from his brother, and he takes it by deceit. And then he has to go and get the blessing by deceit. But all along, this hunger was of God. Oh, God loves that. This hunger was of God. And so now we find he's running for his life. And as he's running for his life, he falls asleep on a stone. And God, Brother Bam says it this way, Jacob lays down, God shuts him off. He gives him a coma of a vision. And he looks up and he sees a ladder fastened up to heaven, to God's throne. It's reaching all the way to the earth and angels ascending and descending upon the ladder, up and down. Uh, now through the years we find there's a beautiful promise here that God promised a way of escape, a ladder to climb on, a sure foundation. And we often look at the ladder that's hooked up there. And, it, and I'm so thankful that's sure. That's real. He said... That ladder was hooked in glory to the throne of God. But he asked the question, where could he find a place on earth to hook it to? He said he tried to do it on a Jewish nation. He couldn't do it. He, he, was, he, was, he knew he was going to do it all the time. He promised the seed, and at that moment the seed was in Jacob. 
Now I'm going to say it this way. There was a time when that seed was in a prophet messenger. In those that followed. But we're here now. There's got to be a hook somewhere that he can hook to. That hook was not in first pull. Because there was impersonations. It was not in second pull. But it was to be the continuation of it. Even when the human vessel was gone, but the third pull would be going on. I was just sharing with somebody the other day and I said, it says in the days of the voice. And I'm thankful that voice is an anchor, is an absolute. It gives peace like no other voice. It's so solid and sure. And I don't take an imbalance, but I I take it to drive me back into the pages of the Bible and the two together in a life of prayer. It's not just in pushing play and it's it's not just in hearing only that, but it's in in living it out. It's where God can come and visit you and, and meet with you and speak to you. God's desiring a place of rest. Friends, the Spirit of God is lifting off the earth. It's harder to pray through than ever before, but I say this, we have an access, we have a ladder. Yeah. We have, a, we have a, an opportunity with God like no other people on the face of the earth. Don't think for a moment that it's our righteousness, our prayers, our sanctity, my sincerity. It isn't that, it's nothing, nothing but the grace of God. And I'll say this, the life is in the message. I'll say this, I, God, and I'll, I don't know if I'll get to it, uh, to speak to it today or not, but I, some other time I'll speak on the keeping power of God. It is, it is beyond comprehension. So, he, he looks and he finds Jacob. That's where the seed was at that moment. That little fellow backslid, a shyster, lying, doing all, all these di- different things. He couldn't hook it on the temple. He couldn't hook it on, on, he's talking about in Jesus' time, but he only could hook it on one place. Now, I think I'm going to need to stop there. I think I'm going to have to pick it up beyond that. But let me, let, me, let me take this part of it before I do. I want you to think about, it's, God doesn't hook it on the knowledge of the message, but he hooks it on, on, on the real heart of faith. And I'm going to just, going back to it. Brother Branham would tell us this. Faith is something you have. You know you've got it. Welsh Revival. Where is the Welsh Revival? Policeman. He says, where is it? He couldn't point to any place, but he said, you're looking at it. It's right here. Where is the message of the hour? Oh, come to this church. Listen to these books. You, we ought to be able to have a testimony. It's right here. It's living in me. It's breathing in me. It's my life. It's my everything. Where is the message? It's here. It's here. Where is the proof of the bridge? Where is the proof of the boy in Finland? It's here. It's my faith. It's what God is doing in me. The challenge, the challenge, God's, God's word is real, but the challenge is, do we have the faith to accept it and receive it? 
into us. So brother, I would say, faith is something you have. He said, God is going to give it to you. Your healing might be not there. A brother was telling us about somebody at a convention standing up, and he says, God has halfway healed me. What? <laughs> yeah, it's halfway. <laughs> I, I'm this, I'll tell you what, God doesn't do a halfway thing. We just heard that in the message. God doesn't make halfway Christians. God doesn't make halfway preachers. Now, we can be halfway, but God doesn't. He does a full work. He does a full restoration. Faith is something you have. Your healing might not be there, but yet it's anchored with you that you're going to be right. You can start running, praising God. You've got the evidence. See, it isn't a myth. It isn't an imagination. It's a substance. He says, that's where so many people fail to get here. They have a hope instead of a faith. Now, let me just take... He's, he speaks this in a message, confirmation and evidence. He says, I'm afraid many times we don't stop long enough to think of the position we are in. Many people in the outside world, they look on this meeting like it's a hocus pocus. But he says, there's been many false representations of this. But before you have a bogus dollar, there's got to be a real dollar. As sure as there's a false, there's a real Holy Spirit, a real divine healing, a real power of God, a real faith in the Word. And this is the confirmation that it's anchored. Oh, how glorious. Now, let me just finish it with this last one. A man can have an intellectual faith. That's where most people get today. I'll say this. Peter had an intellectual faith. Until God took him higher. And, and, and Brother Bannon would call that the adopted baby. Yeah, I believe, I believe. But, but keep saying that. Keep speaking it until something takes a hold. Amen. Where is the tabernacle? I haven't even got to my message this morning. Brother Andrew, I thought I was going to be done by this time. And he says that's the reason people don't get healed is because they have an intellectual view of it. What their mind conceives but the mind will reason. It will say, I am no better. My sense will say, my arm is no straighter. I don't feel any different than I did yesterday. My wife and I went to a meeting a couple years ago. And we couldn't even hardly go because her arm was so, she was in so much pain. She couldn't even lift her arm up to do her hair. And we were scheduled to go to this meeting and I, I I just do I have to cancel I didn't want to go without her I wanted her to be there and and as you said I don't think I can go I just I'm in so much pain and you know she's there and uh, we said well let's just pray and we we opened the altar of God or the family altar book and we just read that day out of Psalms and as we're reading I'm just reading through it, and I come to a place where it says, I will lift my arms in the sanctuary of the Lord. And she said, something struck her. Nothing happened, but something struck her. Faith declares, even when there's no outward sign. We had to change our flight back a couple of days. We went to the meeting, and went to the first few meetings, and, you know, she's there. And Brothers, have you ever helped your wife do her hair? I did. She, she couldn't hold her hand up, so I, I propped her elbow up like this. That was really noble and brave of me, but I did it. 
God bless you. <laughs> she was in such pain, but something had struck her. We went to the Saturday morning service. Brother Darrell Ward was preaching, and he just talked about how faith makes a way, and he come to the place. I think I played the tape here, or the service here after, and, and he's talking about that man where he, he was sick and lame and he was in a bed and he couldn't even make it to where Jesus was and the crowd was so big around the house they couldn't even get near there with the bed. And these guys had a great idea. They decided to become roofers. And they broke the roof apart. And they lowered the man down in the bed. And, and Jesus, I, I want to have friends like that. Hey, if I'm sick, you give me friends. I, I don't care if they're destructing things, but get me to Jesus. And they lowered this man down, and Jesus looked, and he says, that's a faith, and that man was healed. And, and, and so Brother Daryl's preaching that, and, and then we just started worshiping, and, and we're just, this, the, the God was so wonderful, pouring his spirit out, and we're there. And then I looked, and here's my wife who'd been in pain, and here's both of her hands in the air. Father, God is real. He's a, he's a God of his word. Stay there and hold it, no matter what the enemy says. If God has given you a promise, stay with it. I thank God he's alive. I think he's real. Listen, I'm going to stop right there. Let's have the musicians come. I'm going to have to pick this up tonight, but that's okay. How many love the Lord? Oh, it's real, it's real. Isn't it real? I think I need to sing, when Jacob met the Lord on that lonely night, I don't know about you, but there's got to come a time somewhere where you know, I, 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 I've listened sometimes, and sometimes we say it, and I, I don't mean to make light of it, there's a truth to it, but we say, when did you come to the message? It's like you cross the street and you walked into a church and you come to the message. No, we didn't do that. When did the message come into you? When did God make himself real to you? I believe that there's got to be a place, this side of heaven, where God is anchoring. God is, he's solidifying his place of rest. Lord willing, tonight I'm going to pick it up on the ark, and we'll go there tonight. Is that all right? Is that all right, Brother Andrew? We're going to do it that way. Let's stand together. When Jacob met the Lord, Come on.